Hello and welcome to the Sea of Startups, where we dive into the stories behind the startups in Southeast Asia. I'm your host, Kevin Brocklin, Managing Partner of Indelible Ventures. Now, if you're a founder or funder looking to learn more about what drives the startups in Southeast Asia, this podcast is for you. We're about to sit down with founders to uncover the unique insights into the origins and motivations behind launching their startups. We'll uncover the stories behind the struggles, the ups, the downs guided from the view of an entrepreneur. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's show. All right. My guest today is Jason Lowe, the founder of Virtual Tech Frontier. For those of you who don't know, Virtual Tech Frontier is a virtualization and metaverse enablement company that is developing engagement-driven virtual events with virtual fairs, exhibitions, live streams, and hybrid events. Thank you very much for being here today, Jason. Hey, nice to see you again, Kevin. Thanks for inviting me to this podcast, man. So take me back because I always love hearing the origin story. So how did you become an entrepreneur in the first place? And how did you settle on entering the metaverse space and launching Virtual Tech Frontier? Um, I would like to believe I have I trained myself along the years to actually answer this story as short as possible. Because, <laughs> you know, when we talk about like founding stories, you know, it sometimes it can go pretty long, right? Um, I, I would love to tell people that uh, my initial inspiration on, on, on becoming an entrepreneur actually came from Bill Gates itself. Not really a figure you usually hear people use for inspiration these days, sure. right? Um, however, for my case, it was it was like that. And it happened way back when I was like probably five or six years old, actually. Uh, I remember like uh, heading back to a relative's house and my, my father was reading a newspaper at that time. So I think when I was five or six years old, that's like, oh, that's 20 over years ago, I think. <laughs> Still back in the like the early 2000s, late 90s. Sort of. Yeah, it was literally the late 90s at the time. And my dad was reading this newspaper in the morning and suddenly he just made this remark, right? He said, oh, wow, do you know that the richest man in the world is Bill Gates? Wow. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, who's Bill Gates? What does he do? And my dad was just like, oh, yeah, I think it's computers and stuff. Like he's doing like computers, Microsoft. Ah, you're too young to know anyway. Right? And I was like, so that, that really got me curious, right? Almost like, oh, what, why is the richest man in the world someone who's like doing computers? That would be the last thing on a child's mind if you say that, oh, this guy is like one of the most well-to-do person in the world. And subsequently along the years, we, we were proven again and again that different people that came out from the tech industry, from IT or anything re uh, related to technology would always turn up to be among the richest in the world and things like that. Not to say I'm motivated by by money per se, but it's more of like it, it just sounded like oh that's like a really high target that I would like to like strive for, right? So uh when I started my degree, I decided that oh uh, okay, I'm gonna take computer science then. So um I took computer science uh, and my majors was focused in in interaction technology actually, right? So it's multimedia computer science. So at that time, we have been learning about AR, uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, gamification. We've been learning how to build games through like some of the game engines out there. So that was the sort of course that I took in because out of all of the computer science courses, that to me felt the least boring. <laughs> I, I even even though I look myself to be in the technology business, I still cannot foresee myself in the future just sitting and and deleting and replacing code every day kind of mm -hmm. level, right? So that was the day I just realized that oh, probably I'm 
not gonna be like a CTO kind of person, even though I'm doing computer science. Mm-hmm. And I definitely I met some of my current co-founders during college days. And um I, I saw one of my my current co-founder, Eugene. He he created this augmented reality uh, app back in for his final year project all the way back in like 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. And he showed me that and the first thing that came to my mind was like, oh wow, this is my first time seeing AR. I've never seen something like this before. That was even before Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I just decided, okay, let, let's do a business out of it. So immediately after I graduate, I'm one of those guys that never went to corporate, never knew how the real world really looks like for someone. I'm just okay, let's let's do startup. Bam. Um, a few things that actually aided me in my journey. Definitely want to give credit back to uh, Magic. So Magic is used to be a the malicious like a tech organization. Now they became Maranti already, but back then uh, Magic actually held their first startup weekend. Uh, so it's Magic's first startup weekend. I decided to really uh, by seed stars, right, Kevin? If you if you are familiar with it, mm-hmm. I decided to go figure what that's what is that all about in three days. Entered a startup weekend, actually emerged as a champion uh, company. Me mm-hmm. and some of the, the the gang at that time, because it's random, right? Startup yeah. weekend. Yeah, we were like the first winners of startup weekend Malaysia, organized by Magic, and that really like kickstarted the journey. Uh, I did not pursue the idea at that time because subsequently, I, I as I mentioned, I found my co-founder. Mm-hmm. He was doing this cool AR thing back in twenty twelve. I was like, okay, let, let's do it. So immediately after I graduated, we started doing this AR uh, startup. My CTO from Sabah, because I'm Sabahan, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, my CTO all the way from Sabah joined us. Then it's just a three-person per- three team for the first year or so. We were doing this augmented reality postcard souvenirs, right? Where you, you we were thinking, oh, uh, if you buy souvenirs, you get some 3D rendering thing come out of the souvenirs. It makes a more memorable experience to, 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 to bring back home when you visit the country, something like that. So that was the first idea all the way back in 2013, where mobile phones, to a certain extent, weren't that uh, advanced yet to really render and load all these 3D images and, and 3D files. And then, oh, it was definitely a challenge right there. But after a year or so of running that startup, um, a marketing agency in KL, or the really huge marketing agency in KL, uh, saw augmented reality technology, and AR, VR, this kind of gamification things, if you're not doing like a game game per se, you will usually be used by corporate clients to really increase the engagements between the users and themselves, right? So you, mm-hmm. you fall into like the marketing campaign category. So this marketing agency saw us and they kind of like, uh, um, did like a, a share swap kind of scenario. Uh, not really acquisition to say, but then, mm-hmm. I came, then a whole team just came to KL. And that's how for the next six to seven years, we were in this marketing agency. I uh, was like a minor- minority shareholder, but we have mm-hmm. been doing a lot of huge enterprise uh, solutions, actually, uh, especially focused in marketing. And it comes to AR and VR, physical events. They want like a very cool activation on a physical event. Boom, we put a VR booth there, an AR game, some mm-hmm. touch screen panels. So really involved in like immersive technology for, for six to seven years until the pandemic came. All right, yeah. the pen. Um, the one thing I would like to point out, right, Kevin, is that interestingly, when we were doing our first AR startup for the first year, it was really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, we were just like twenty-four year old guys right out of college, and none of us have connections, sure. none of us have experience. We were even in Malacca. We were not even in KL. There's no VCs in Malacca. <laughs> it was yeah. like nothing over there, no ecosystem, and we had to keep traveling to KL just for the little bit of resource that we can get, right? It's like, mm. if someone give a talk, oh, let's all the way go to KL, just attend a talk for one hour, then we have to all the way drive back to Malacca for two hours and just, it was yeah, just Yeah, the drive's hard, longer right? than the talk. <laughs> right, <laughs> definitely. The journey itself is like, oh, it's like just, just really tough. And and that's just, that was just how underdeveloped certain support ecosystems had along like the country, right? About, if you're talking yeah. about 10 years ago. Mm. And, 
and 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 it was just really tough. And for a twenty-four year old, you're like, yeah, this is tough. What what those articles say is true. Entrepreneurship is very really tough. You have so many things to grind. You're not really even getting hard. paid. We're getting paid like five hundred ringgit a month, I think, because we could only afford that at the time, right? It yeah. looks cool, yeah, yada yada. But then the reality is, it's not that great. So reality really hits at the time. Yeah, really hits us at the time, and we. I just decided, oh, when the marketing firm came, because they were a traditional business, right? Mm. So we were from like a tech startup uh, uh, and, and, and a traditional SME. It came in like, oh, let, let's do this together. And I was yeah. like, okay, like, let's just do this. I don't want my co-founders to only earn 500 ringgit for the foreseeable month down the road. We're not even sure why it's fundraising. You know, so many things we don't know. So we just, sure. dis- I, at that time, I really decided, okay, let, let's stop this startup thing. I don't think it's meant for us. I have no idea what's going on. Traditional business seems to earn way more money than startups. You get proper salaries. You work with the big companies out there because this firm is already working with huge players like Microsoft itself, yeah. right? And I was saying, oh yeah, maybe I'll understand how Bill Gates earn money better if I do projects for Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to, to, okay, fine. Quit startup, go traditional business. Yeah. And and, and that's cool, right? Steady. Uh, like, uh, at its peak, that company was earning about 30 million a year. And mm. I was like, wow, when will my uh, ringgit, lah, right? I was like, yeah. wow, when will my startup be going to earn like 30 ringgit a year? And and they're doing it consistently. And I'm like, mm. oh, like, yeah, startup is like for the... I, I always felt that uh, it's for some chosen people in the world that's going to figure it out one day. Not me. Yeah, yeah. I decided at 25 years old, that, that's not me. I, I'm, going, I'm going to work normal, right? So yeah, we did a lot of really huge uh, corporate projects at the time, like Microsoft, Intel, AMD mm-hmm. was our client when they launched the Ryzen series. Asia, uh-huh. you know, we did regional global campaigns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we would touch a lot end to end. And it was very exciting, right? Marketing sure. events is always a very exciting part of, of, of the business. And then the pandemic hit. Uh, a lot of things happened in between. One thing led to another um, mismanagement. Everything that can go wrong to a traditional company really sure. kind of ha- happened. And when the pandemic came, it just spearheaded certain deaths. And yeah. that, that was a huge blow to me at the time, Kevin. Because I, I I decided to like quit startup to join a traditional company because I wanted like stability and whatever, right? And and next thing you know, they they died also. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, just circumstances when it's not right, no matter are you a startup or are you a tech company or are you a traditional whatever, you just be faced with forces that you just cannot control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, stability is kind of, is kind of right? a bit of an illusion, yeah. Yeah, yeah, those, yeah, yes. Uh, mismanagement happens everywhere, right? Yeah. If you have little money, you know what to do with it, you go far. Mm. If you have a lot of money, you don't know what to do with it, you just die also. Yeah. And that, that is true no matter are you a tech company or are you like a, a traditional company with a restaurant and things like that. This is a joke, right? That uh, a lot of my friends who is in F&B, when we talk about, oh, do you want to raise, uh, uh, do you want to invest in my company? 100,000 only. I can kickstart mm. a small MVP project. POC, proof of concept thing. They're like, oh no, tech startups, they don't work, they work. Next thing you know, they spent a million in renovation for their restaurants and they think that's absolutely normal <laughs> and their return of investment is going to be three, four years down the road, which we wouldn't even scale, right? So that's just, yeah. just how I think I see like the landscape over here, yeah. right? And restaurant business is notoriously hard as well. So it's it's not it's not <laughs> yeah, like it the is, success right? <laughs> rates are dramatically different dramatically uh, in all honesty. It's not either, right? Um, yep, yep. So after... Um, the, the company like closed down after seven years. Oh, so there was I at like being 30 years old, like being lost. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like what was going on? That didn't work, this didn't work. I actually yeah. didn't want to do entrepreneurship ever anymore during yeah. the, the pandemic. Literally, Kevin, that was just totally out of my mind. My parents are both teachers, by the way. They're government servants uh, serving the Malaysian education system. And okay. they have been telling me, they've been warning me. They, they've been saying, Jason, I look at you, you're 
that's just not it, man. Like yeah. you shouldn't have done all this. Look at all the the sufferings and troubles and money that was lost. Mm. Like you should just go back and be a teacher, which was what they wanted for me in the first <laughs> place. And I really considered that. I yeah. started to take some certifications and things like that. Um, but then the pandemic just kept continuing. Mm. And while I was on the path on figuring out how do I get involved in education for some reason, um, a lot of our ex-clients just suddenly came back to me and my my, my co-founder because we were still staying together. I stayed with my two co-founders, by the way, at the time. Um, clients just came back and they were, hey, Jason, looks like the pandemic is going on. Can can we... Are there solutions out there that can be used to engage to our consumers and clients? Because if we, we don't do campaigns, it's like uh, the brand do thousands of interactions at one point zoom just yeah. doesn't cut it these kind of con calls just don't won't cut that sort of like interactions and nope. for some reason facebook they've been trying a lot of things on the, 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 the other social media platforms it's not doing too well for them yeah, with like so they were like and, hey, Jason, um... yeah yeah right right so they're like hey jason can, can can we just figure something out so we just decided to do some crazy thing like as my cto uh, of new at the time he just decided that and let's just, just do a virtual world. Let's just let everyone go into the virtual world and, and figure out how we're going to do like, virtual events there. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's just try to pitch to the client. So we just pitched to this client and they were like, oh yeah, okay, okay, can. let's do it. Let's do it. I love it. Uh, fine. So we executed one. It was a link with the Penang state government. It was quite a big project. They were mm. doing this uh, uh, Penang halal exhibition. They got all the local um, uh, merchants in like there were like hundred merchants, okay. thousands of visitors came into uh came to the place and then we were like oh okay cool someone actually cares about something like this and then we went to the next client and they went oh yeah let's do this so they went to the next mm. client and said oh yeah let's do this so then suddenly like we have this bunch of clients and this whole list of projects that we had to fulfill like I remember when when we started taking this on it was October twenty twenty. Okay. And from October 2020 to December 2020, within a short span of two to three months, I think we had over 400, over 1,000 in, in revenue. Just yeah. things like that. Just from one random thing and one year, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, blah, 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 blah. Next thing you know, I was like, oh, okay. That was when I told my co-founders, okay, guys, I think we have like three, 400,000 in revenue coming in. I don't think all this money should be going into our bank account. <laughs> because we were like freelancing, right? At the time, we were just mm. figuring out how do we freelance this thing out. And, and then uh, we met another partner and we decided to start an official company to deal with all this. Because we okay. just, you know, experience-wise, we know mismanagement of money is going to just bring you down very sure. badly, right? So I was like, oh, guys, we need to redo this properly. Like, let's see how are we going like, to do a lot of these things properly and things like that. Um, and, and because previously in my the, the marketing agency and things like that, I did, I wasn't in charge of like finance. I wasn't in charge of operations. I was really just in charge of tech. Like if yeah. they have a really great proposal, like me and my team, we were just doing the technologies part of things. So there were a lot of things that wasn't within our control. And that means management some, sometimes, you know, cause a lot of these kind of disruptions. So I was really determined to do it right this time. Um, managed to find a partner. Next thing you know, when I was pitching to one of my clients uh, that runs an advertising agency, a media agency, we just felt that, oh, media agency and, and virtual interactions, mm, so, like, I think there's a connection there, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, I went and pitched to him. Uh, next thing you know, he decided to become a co-founder <laughs> right now of Virtual okay. Tech Frontier. So that's Kendrick. I think you connected to him on LinkedIn. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm connected yeah, yeah, with yeah. Kendrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so Kendrick came from a media agency background. And rather than becoming a client, he was like, let's do this together. Like, I want in. Like, let, let's do this together. Yeah, like, this yeah. is a huge potential. And that time, it was only virtual events, right? We were really talking about virtual events, virtual exhibitions, virtual conferences. So, yeah, we we, we, we then got uh, Angel invested by 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 him and his like his company. They mm -hmm. came in. We became, like, a part of a, his, his media group. And we really started doing a lot of virtual events uh, in 2021. So, that okay. was okay. 
that was actually pretty okay because the panic was still uh all time high yeah so it was still locked down all of those things can't yeah, yeah, travel yeah, yeah. so all of, all, correct, of the, all of those restrictions were were still in their height it was still there yeah yeah definitely and and we were doing actually pretty pretty okay like we earned quite a, a huge bit of revenue during mm. the time we were even profitable because even though we were like doing a tech product we were still we were still we were literally selling it like a, any normal solution it's like a, a, a SaaS solution you just sell your margins are there we were yeah. literally profitable right uh, uh, during the pandemic but a lot of people kept saying things like oh but what if the pandemic ends like what's going to happen to this 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 solution that seems to be doing really well in the pandemic sure and sure sure and yeah so we i was really brainstorming about oh so what's next is this really going to be bad so we really need to forecast what's going on down the road right and that was when in in in, in october uh, uh 2021 mark zuckerberg just decided to change facebook to meta <laughs> they did this whole metaverse launch yeah. and i just i remember just waking up to it uh sorry let me on my light oh yeah I, I i just remember waking up to it and suddenly everyone's just like spamming my whatsapp like yeah. oh jason what is this what is this i want like my corporate clients are spamming me my partners are spamming me yeah oh like oh, how do we get in the metaverse what's this this is so cool so cool so cool bro, bro. and when i was like oh what's going on and i was like looking at like the, the, the meta video launch yeah. and i was like I don't think all this is real. Like, like this is like some promo video. But yeah. just because it came out from Meta, everyone thinks, like, ooh, Metaverse future. So I, but but that kind of like brought me thinking, is this the next step? Like, is this mm. what is going to go beyond virtual events only? And this is something that's going to long-term uh, um, be sustainable even like post-pandemic and things like that, right? Yeah. So, so we started researching about it, started to talk to uh, quite a number, you know, really understanding virtual worlds, what are other virtual platforms out there that is doing things beyond the virtual events. What can you really do uh, in a virtual space? So a lot of like um, uh, um, research was went into it. And that was until I, I, I for, for a string of uh, fortunate events, mm-hmm. <laughs> with a series of fortunate events, I managed to um, get to meet uh, Kylie Ng of 500 Global. Yeah. Uh, Kylie Ng has always been one of the uh, most uh, no, uh, prolific investors within the region did a lot of really great stuff. In fact, a lot of my early... I told you about driving to KL just to watch a talk and go back, right? So most yeah, of them yeah, were the Malacca, the KL trip, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of them were Kylie Ng speeches because not many people were also like giving talks about VCs and investments in Southeast yeah, Asia at yeah. that time. When, when 500 so, came on the scene, it was really like the only only like <laughs> real VC within within the right, Malaysia yeah, market. Yeah. Um, correct, correct, correct. It's very different, right? Because we have been talking to quite a number of investors for our virtual events and things like that. And the way, um, I mean, not to, to, to bring any negativity into the statements, it is always very different to share like uh, local VCs and an example when suddenly I met I met Kylie Ng because it was it was crazy. My my first meeting with Kylie Ng, I, I thought I was like prepared. To me, it felt a little bit like wow, I'm finally meeting like like wow, one of the best guys that I was like pretty nervous. But I, I felt very ready at the time because I already had like seven years of entrepreneurship under my belt. Yeah. Um, went through a lot of downfalls. Uh, I already met a lot of VCs, a lot of the local VCs that questioned me a lot of things that only local VCs will do, right? Uh, <laughs> all the very challenging financial questions that doesn't make sense in a seed company. And yeah, that kind of stuff. So we, I've, so I've, I've like, seen oh, that what? happen. <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder, why, why are you asking about working capital management when you need to figure out how are you going to get your first customers? Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So so, so uh, I, I thought I was really ready for Kylie Ng. I had this FAQ beside me. I was so ready, right? I said, bring uh, it on, bring it on, man. I, I'm ready. And what he asked really shocked me, Kevin, because... Um, he was like, okay, Jason, uh, uh, I don't want to see your pitch. I'm, uh, my first meeting, I'm not here to 
see your page. I don't I don't want to really like look at it. Uh, I'm here to ask you a question. And then I'm like, oh wow, wow, this sounds like a drama from from some <laughs> something. Like, okay, fine, yeah, sure, sure. Ask me a question. I'm ready. Bring it on, mm. man. Just just bring it on. I'm ready for that question. And his first question to me, right, Kevin, was okay, Jason, tell me uh, how do you be a unicorn? And in fact, he was like, eh, uh, uh, I've already invested in, I have like six to seven unicorns under my portfolio right now. So I think unicorns are becoming mainstream. How do you be a decacorn? Yeah, yeah, tell me about that. I think that's more exciting, Jason. How do you be a decacorn? And, uh, and it took me away, Kevin. I was just freaking mind blown. I was like, what? Like, what? Like never in my business plan or proposal or my pitch, you know, you're going to get like, how do you be a unicorn, uh, a Deca corn? You want to know about Deca? Yeah, and yeah. And Kali said, depending, depending how you answer me, we're going to determine whether you're going to have a next meeting with me or not. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to blow it, man. No pressure. No, no pressure. <laughs> no, no, uh, no, no one ever talked about it. In fact, no local VCs believe in that. Like, trust me when yeah, I say that. Like, yeah. a lot of them just don't think that it's a great strategy. Because yeah. they think that, you know, there are a lot of consequences. Each path you take, there are consequences. There are pros and cons. But for 500 and Kali himself, he really believed in, in it, right? And and I I, I, I was just honest with him, Kevin. I didn't try to bullshit my way out of it. I didn't try to beat around the bush and pretend I know how I'm going to do it. I just told him, sorry, I do not know the answer. I've never thought about it. I, I'm not too sure even do I want to even think about it. And and because of that, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. So that was it. I thought I blew it. I have no next meeting. And thank you very much, right? Mm. And, and, then, and, and that was when he told me, well, Jason, I mean, I, I do not expect real answers, right? But I, re- I want to expect to see your thought process behind it. Like, the goal here is not whether are you going to be a unicorn at the end of the day. The, the, the goal here is do you have that aggressive growth mindset of a founder that I'm looking for? Yeah. And then he said, you still don't know, right? I said, I don't know. And next thing, you know what Kali Ung did to me, Kevin? He, he, he shared screen and he, he Google image. <laughs> he pulled out his Google image. And and he he typed uh, how how to be a unicorn, <laughs> and then there was this animal, there was this charts about animals that came out, and it's like it's like are you selling like a million dollars to one hundred whales, or are you selling like a mm. dollar to ten uh, hundred million ants to get to a hundred million in in yeah. revenue, annual, annual revenue, right? So it was the animal chart, right? Like where are you? What is your solution? What is yeah. your product? So it was that chart alone. It really like dive deep into so many things you know like your product your, your target audience your market size your direction and how fast are you the, the goal here to be like a unicorn decacorn whatever is how fast can you also reach that sure anyone can say they will be unicorn 30 years later and does that even still make sense as a startup becoming a unicorn no you're just like a, a normal company that made it big and exit 30 years like, so the question even is can you even do that fast what is your strategy to that fast is it you need money to grow resources? Do you even know how to grow your resources? Do you even know how to do distribution? So there was just so many. It was such an impactful picture that yeah. one picture alone makes you think like a thousand questions about your company and you suddenly start to see all these gaps and loopholes that you do not have, right? Um, and yeah, he just showed me that picture. I was like, okay, you go figure this out. We talk next time. Bye. Boom. That's it. That was it. That was my first yeah, meeting. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it was yeah. crazy, man. Yeah, so I subsequently had more meetings, right? And then um, yeah, I start to give different answers. Like he, I probably he could really see the mindset shift because we had no actual product yet that can can like tell people, oh, this is how we're gonna be unicorn, right? But uh, subsequently, yeah, I mean, uh, next thing you know, everything went well. He invested in us, and that started our journey in like in like the metaverse actually, right? So we okay. were figuring out virtual events, pandemic ending. Maybe yes, maybe you no. Know, we're still making some money in it, 
but it's definitely not an idea that make me a unicorn. Like I already know that, right? Like it's fine as a business. It's just not a business that you can grow big fast, right? Yeah. So that was when we really looked into the metaverse, and then we found a lot of these issues and and gaps with the metaverse. I think you you kind of saw um um uh, our presentation deck uh, a couple of months ago, right? So we're trying mm -hmm. to solve like the metaverse space right now by enabling a lot of people to own the metaverse very easily, and that's how from that direction uh we we moved towards like building our current platform called Mito World. So Mito World itself was just like beta launch a month ago, I guess, during okay. Chinese New Year. So we had to wait Chinese New Year to end and yeah, then we start yeah. to like get partners and things like that. Yeah. So sure. so that's our our journey so far. Like, right? oh sorry, it took a little bit too long. But that was how <laughs> it started all the way to like where I am right now, working with partners and, and various investors in the ecosystem. Yeah. Really try and change the space within a metaverse through through this whole thing. Sometimes it's not that straightforward, right, Kevin? It's not like one day. You wake up, you read the news, right? Someone just wake up and like, oh, I'm going to do this. I know what I'm going to do. And next mm -hmm. thing you know, oh, history. But a lot, I think, I, I would like to believe a lot of founders actually go through a lot of like different paths to get to where they are today, even though it's just like the first year in the first company, right? Yeah, it's, <laughs> there's there's definitely no one size fits all. Uh, and I what what I find interesting is like when you, when you date back to like going straight into being an entrepreneur and talking about not having the contact network and all of that, making the decision to pair up with the marketing firm. Okay, so that didn't work out, but it got you those connections to where all of a sudden people start contacting you and it kind of pulls you in the direction of mm. launching a company again when you did, weren't really thinking about entrepreneurship. So it's a, it's a bit of like, you know, coincidence meets preparation. And that kind of like yep, triggered yep. triggered that. And then that kind of rolls over into uh, getting 500 on board. And that kind of rolls over and like chain of events that if you don't take the action, then they can just kind of pass by. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting to hear how that played out. <laughs> I, I am yeah, quite yeah. curious if if we can kind of like dig into the the aspect of of this new launch uh, that you that you that you launched in 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 the in over Chinese New Year, and if you can talk about maybe the the transition of the product from like the pandemic era when everyone's on lockdown, everything needs to go virtual because there's no other option, and then looking at the post pandemic era uh, and the the evolution that you've you've taken because of that. Yep. Uh, it, it's actually, it was actually a really hard transition because during, during the pandemic and we were doing a lot of these kind of like projects and when we were doing this, all these projects, we were doing it in a very agency model also. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, like, even though it was a tech product, but the way we were selling and growing it was still very um agency focused. Yeah. So we were dealing with a lot of huge corporate clients, but and we thought we were, okay, I think we were thought that, oh, that that's great, right? And then our revenue was growing. We did actually really well last year. Um, um, like growth, growth year on year ever since 2020 and you now has been like 4x, 5, 6x year on year mm -hmm. growth kind of situation, right? And but when we show some of the, the VCs that we were, were pitching the, the solution to, they were just like, oh, Jason, all this doesn't count. Like all these are like manual, they, they call it manual work, right? Sure. At least that's not show your ability to scale as a startup because it still involves a lot of manual manpower to do yep. quite a number mm -hmm. of things, even though it's a technology product, but it's not a fast growth sort of uh, model. Yep. And 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 he said, if you continue down this path of like uh, agency servicing, he said, I don't think any VCs are going to want to invest. But that's just not the game over here, right? Yeah, there's a limit to scale so we have when you require a lot of headcount to do these mm, sort to, of things. To, yeah, to, to make certain growth, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so, so we we were we were um we were trying to like figure out what's going to happen next and things like that. And and uh, the metaverse has still been ongoing uh, of a huge trend uh, during those moments. 
because a lot of people are just still very new. You you get a lot of like buy-in from what we call early innovative companies per se. Mm-hmm. Companies with innovation arms, companies that just want to be the first of everything and they just want to be in the space yet. Sure. Be beyond like, oh, figuring how do I get real ROI out of this mm-hmm. whole thing. So there were still a lot of things like that. And I realized in most of the time, a lot of the talks that I go to, so I, I go and speak a lot about the metaverse, what is it, how do companies uh, benefit from it and so on. And I always get a lot of requests during those sessions from actually smaller companies, SMEs, SMBs, who's that? How, how do I get on? But the, the usual charges that we charge to corporate clients are definitely not uh, money that is palatable to the smaller companies. And that was where I realized, oh, there's this huge gap over here that... that that a lot of people want it, but they cannot afford it because of the amount of customizations or like metaverse is very linked to crypto, right? Yeah. Uh, during the, the, the boom of it, you're like buying lands, empty lands, they have dead lands <laughs> or whatever going. And a lot of companies also cannot uh, like use crypto to buy all these weird empty lands and yeah. things like that. So I, I do see a lot of this kind of gaps going on. And then it was because of all these gaps with me being really in touch with a lot of the audiences out there, uh, we, we, we finally found a way to like, okay, we need a platform that will enable the metaverses to be deployed very easily for everyone. And we really took a lot of cues from like Wix.com. Do, do you know Wix.com? Yeah, yeah. So Wix.com like, making like a, website, a website building builder. easy. Yeah. Anyone can build a website, right? Canva. Yeah. Anyone can be a graphic designer. No code, fast yeah. deployment solution. And really cheap, right? It's, it's way cheaper than you pay an agency yeah. and, and to do it, right? And so, so we decided that, oh, can we actually do that for virtual worlds, for the metaverse? Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, metaverse world building tool and things like that. And, and we were, a lot of research went into it. Like, that's when, again, I see the benefits of, like, uh, funding. <laughs> yeah. Like, like a lot of people, I, I tell, Kevin, I, I'm not going to keep you when there are so many entrepreneurs that I talked to and, and I was involved in quite a number of entrepreneur circles and things like that. Sure. They, they were like, what? You took your investors' money to do R&D? Like, you're burning their money. Like, that's just, that's just, that's called pure burn, right? Because mm. you're trying to figure out, you're trying to build a product and it's sure. not something that uh, a CTO and two guys is going to figure out something that's going to change the world because really, that's, that's, that's just not reality most of the time and a lot of like other VCs will think, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to give you some money to afford two guys you, you two guys go figure it out, you know, and then you're, in reality, if you're really trying to be a fast growth unicorn company, a lot of these kind of stories don't make sense unless you're some genius from MIT or something who figured mm. something out during his studies, right? But in reality, when you're out there, you're talking to all these people, you're trying to do something that they're willing to pay money for, there's a lot of process that, that will have to go to in between. And a lot of these companies uh, that I meet just cannot stomach, stomach the fact that, wow, what's all this burn going on? Like, and but but to a certain extent, those are ne- what I believe to be necessary steps. And that's when you you start to raise money from from partners and VCs who understand the vision, who understands what you're trying to do, and then they are like, okay, yeah, this 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 seems like the plan to move forward in the metaverse space and things like that. Especially when we are really outfunded by our current competitors, also like you just at that period, right? Any metaverse company you see that got funding raised like ten million seed money dollars. I'm not even talking about ringgit, man. Like ten million dollars seed yeah. money. And then, yeah. and then when we look at it, and then that's when, again, people will be skeptical. Like, oh, you're not even raising 10. Like, you're going to get crushed by them. Yeah? So you get all this negativity, but we're like, no, 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 local advantage. So we have to figure out a lot of strategies, that local mm. advantage, we're going to go fast. We have a lot of corporate partners in our belt already. So mm-hmm. it's like really tapping into the, the distribution network that we already have. So a lot of these kind of strategies are the things that we pull through. And and throughout the the, the months, we actually built a, a no-code metaverse platform, like Wix. We really managed to do it. After yeah. a span of, I think, four months, we started this project in, in October. Mm. And then we, we managed to launch this, I think, during Chinese New Year a couple of weeks back. Um, 
and and this is currently still in our beta testing phase actually right so we're giving like closed uh, invited audiences to to use it's live anyway like anyone out there if you're going to try to figure out if you can do a metaverse yourself feel free to visit meetover.io you can try it out right now but it's not like openly marketed yet we're actually yeah. doing our launch only in the on the 14th of march uh, which is in two weeks' time. So uh, very busy preparing for the the media launch for the event. Hey, I'm go I'm gonna invite you there. By the way, Kevin, if you have time, yeah, please, please. I'll send you an official invitation. But from Chinese New Year until now, for the short span of two to three weeks, uh, within our partners and people that just somehow found out about us with word mm -hmm. of mouth, right? I think we've already had three hundred over metaverses being created on the platform itself, right? And and I see a wide array of companies, individuals, influencers creative studios, event agencies, like it was this huge wide range of people that yeah. is using our platform to do various, various different worlds yeah, because yeah. they have this, even though uh, pandemic has ended and things like that, but you still find a lot of people who, who needs these kind of spaces to connect with people beyond your, your local location, which is like KL, for example, right? Sure. And through the platform, we were able to really, and with this platform, right, Kevin, I, I realized I have been, I, I was able to start to leverage a lot of things that I could not before as compared to like a, a very a manual product company. Like one of the, the bigger um, partnerships that I'm talking with, uh, they are uh, one of the biggest cloud providers in the region. Haven't sealed the deal yet, uh, so I'm not going to mention the name, but we're working towards with one of the largest cloud providers in Asia to, to do like a, a, a metaverse integration to the platform. And this is only possible because we have a, 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 a working platform that can be integrated. If it's just okay. a custom solution, again, oh, it just yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. work that way, right? Mal you cannot Malaysian mass company? distribute the solution. Ah, uh, no, no, they're not a Malay. I don't think there's any really big Malaysian cloud providers. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah <laughs> no, yeah. no, they are. They are not. Yeah, they're they're an international. They're an international cloud uh, cloud company, and okay. they are going big in Web three and the metaverse and NFTs and whatever. Okay, and, okay. and we were the only metaverse platform out there available in the region. So yeah. talking it away. So because of the the development for the platform, a lot of the things that I I I was able to 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 uh, negotiate and leverage on certain partnerships have become way bigger. In mm. fact, a lot of the metaverse prototypes that people are using to churn proof of con like last time you want a metaverse proof of concept. It's gonna take you like oh quote a two week project. It's gonna take two to three. Yeah, weeks. yeah, because it's you gotta you gotta like do it from scratch. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The barrier uh, is, is much higher. Yeah. Yep, yep. I think nowadays we're doing proof of concepts in one week. We we can do like ten. Mm. Like it dramatically reduces the time. And and our metaverses is as cheap as a thousand dollars per metaverse, right? So a lot of people don't mind paying it. Like you suddenly see this huge change of economics of scale between yeah. how people perceive the metaverse right now, right? Yeah. So yeah, quite a lot of things are, are like happening and it's just like a couple of weeks only. Yeah, like within yeah. these few weeks only, I've already been seeing all these but, kind of very interesting things, right? So that, that's yeah, like yeah. that's like the entryway. Yeah, so you can, you can get in for a thousand bucks. Uh, so you can kind of like test your water, you're interested in it, but you maybe you're not ready to fully commit, but you can kind of put your toe in the water, you can put something together. And then is it kind of like a land and expand strategy from there? So if I am, you know, a decent sized corporate, maybe, you know, testing it out, get a POC, you know, low cost, but then, hey, I like this. Let's scale it up. So I come back to you and it's, it's, it's started extending the, the, the program. Um, to a certain extent, I think, yes. So we have a lot of like, so weeks, weeks is that we have templates, right? Sure. And depending on what template you choose, so if you're going to just go easy on it, you just put it a few things, MVP, right? So a lot of yeah. people are using Wix, actually do MVPs also. 
yeah. they're going to test to see whether, oh, is the idea, people are going to click, they look at the user journey and everything like that. And if you're more serious into Wix, actually what's going to happen is that you're just going to probably beef up the website even more. Yeah. But you'll probably then start to spend marketing dollars on it, right? Yeah. Rather than, oh, let me extend to 10 more websites. Like, it doesn't work that way. So, mm. it's a, a bit similar with the Metaverse. So, uh, or, or not to say the Metaverse, it's a bit similar with our platform and Mito World, where um, a client that decides they're going to go more serious on it, they're going to start to put uh, effort in making the space more beautiful, for example. Mm-hmm. And they start to implement more functions, meaning they'll get an official agency. So, we have a lot of agency partners that's helping... Uh, the clients to build on our platform right now. We've been doing a lot of onboarding with all these kind of partners and then all these clients will then ask them to, oh, okay, let, let's do more custom designs, custom videos, custom 3D files to be put into the, the website and then mm-hmm. uh, they will go serious when they're going to start to spend marketing dollars on it when you start to drive traffic for people into their metaverse to do all these kind of like uh, activities and interactions and things yeah. like that, right? So that will be the part on on how they want to take it more seriously rather than like, oh, do I like buy 10 more metaverses and things like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let, let, let's let's switch to like a little bit more forward looking. So, you know, you launched the, you launched the new product, you're entering a new space, only a couple of weeks since, since, since it's been out in the market, but some good traction already. When you look forward and you maybe maybe let's let's tie it back to 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 the conversation that you had with Kylie when you're talking about getting to decacorn status or like maybe wiping that off the off the off the off the mind but like getting to big tech company and becoming like one of the big names what's next what's what what do you what's what what should we expect to see from you uh coming up <laughs> this is a, a super challenging question, Kevin, because as much as I, I do uh, try to like enforce that mindset into my day-to-day strategic mm. decision-making and things like that, right? I have been trying to figure it out also. Uh, and what I mean by figuring out is that I, I, I've, uh, I've been like, I, I mentioned earlier, I've been involved in a lot of like entrepreneur groups trying to figure out what are the, the, the bigger companies that have been doing to get to yeah. where they are today. And, and it's very interesting to see a lot of them will get to a certain point and they'll get stuck. Mm. And then suddenly the growth of plateau, no matter how many man, how much they burn and throw in marketing and advertising, it just they just don't grow anymore. So those are pretty scary stories that I hear. Or like, mm. oh, you guys did so well. And next thing you know, you're, you're stuck. And then they'll start to tell about all the things that they did that didn't work. And then I also like, you know, I travel to Singapore. I travel to multiple countries. I talk to different founders from different countries to hear the perspective of different regions, podcasts. Like I really try and swarm as much information into me yeah. as possible in terms of like going to that direction. And, and the answer I got, right, Kevin, is there's no answer. No. There's no like one answer. It's like everyone, uh, the, the, the most um, solid advice that I get, um, um, uh, I, I really wanted to attend your, your session in FI with like mm. Eric. Because Eric's company is also a portfolio company of 500, right? Yeah. And Kylie Ng apparently challenged Eric the same, the same, same thing. Same. Oh, do you want to be a unicorn, right? Like yeah. he, I think went through some a, a similar treatment. I haven't watched that yet, so I'm going to like, go check that out. I wanted to attend that event, but I had another meeting at the day because it was about oh, growth and expansion, right? So I really yeah. wanted to check that out. But from the other uh, re- uh, sources of information that I've gotten, there's no straightforward answer. Everyone had a, a specific um, secret source strategy that they found out that worked for them. But the, the journey to find that, okay, um, in Andrew Chan's uh, words, uh, he's mm. a partner of A16Z, he yeah. recently did this book called The Cold Start Problem, Cold Start, where he yeah. really talk about network effects, yeah. atomic networks, distribution, and every company has their own distribution network, one, like their, their network effect. Like, and yeah. it's your job and your team 
to figure out what that network is mm. through product market fit, through talking to people. Like everything again comes into play, right? You know, you know, have the, the correct product that would uh, resonate to the correct mouth audiences. There will start the word of mouth effect that's gonna and then it's like it, the, the key word here, the key point here, I think that a lot of companies and startups um don't take in mind is replicable strategies. Yes. Like the network effect must be something you know how to replicate in another region. And mm. if it's not something replicable, it's something very manual and being very forced, you shove it into people's throats for signups or things like that, that you're just not gonna get that, right? Yeah. So for, for me right now, um core focus with the company is really trying to figure out not only our network effect strategy right now, but uh, a replicable and like a sustainable uh, strategy that we can actually use to grow the company towards. I mean, if, if, I don't know how far it's going to go, but definitely I think this would be the right path moving forward uh, by, by growing the company down the road. Yeah. Yeah, there'll definitely be some experimentation, and you know, it's yes, it's, yes. it's it's one of Price those things errors. like day day zero or whatever, however you want to end up, uh, kind of phrasing it. I I always love uh, going back to like Bezos quotes and things like that as as well when it comes to like if you want to move the needle and 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 move the company forward, you have to take risks that are commensurate with the size that you're at so you are constantly need to kind of accelerate and push things forward let, let me let me wrap up here we've covered a lot of ground let me wrap up here with my closing questions the questions that i ask everyone and so the first question is what is a tech tool that you just cannot live without um <laughs> my calendar tool <laughs> on on like teams i've recently just like inputted calendly into into my 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 uh, time management because yeah. i personally um there's just so many meetings and then yeah. I, oh my god like, like when you go to a certain stage you just can't handle it anymore i, I uh, love so, calendly so, so, so I, to be honest with you I, like yeah, you, yeah, you right. booked this uh, session on using a calendly on link calendly. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 so so calendar tools like anything that helps me improve my time management is oh I cannot live without them and like like that's yeah. my lifeline like <laughs> and I cannot operate properly yeah. without them you know so yeah definitely uh time management tools yeah definitely yeah yeah okay very cool and so last question here is if you were to talk to another founder that's just getting started out say back in your Malacca days let's let's call it mm. what would be the biggest piece of advice that you could offer? Cool. Uh, there's just a lot of like things that I, I find it to be very important but if I want to resonate and advice that is more like closely to my belief right um I think it's 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 definitely the the the, the keep trying attitude sounds super cliche like like, like you, you just don't give up you just got to try to figure something out but um um but so the issue is that, that you know, as I told you, I like uh, my, my previous agency went down and things like that. It was a period of very tough, tough moments as a founder mm-hmm. and growing a strong uh, support uh, support system, right? You're growing a strong support network and system that will, will help you be from families or you get official counseling from like uh, people that, that helps you to, to, to strengthen your mental health, performance coaching. I think a lot of these kind of, of efforts is really needed to grow as a founder. Only yeah. you can go with the never give up attitude. Because if you just, from day one, you go, oh, never give up, never, you're going to get burned out. Yeah. You're going to start to not have hope. You're going to burn and things like that. So what really got me through during very, very difficult times is a strong support system. Mm. And I actually officially get like a professional help from counselors and performance coaches actually to really come in and drive my mindset, realign the way I think at certain things. And I'll be very surprised to find out many times that you think you're, do, you're thinking straight. 
but they will they'll be able to find out how you're actually stuck in the box right now yeah. and you're stuck in the bubble thinking things at the rate so i think really getting um, um professional help in terms of like enabling you to 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 think and make decisions and work better either from uh, uh counseling mental health counseling or like performance coaching and a strong support system to share your burden with i think that would be one of the things that i would love to see from founders getting into their their, their whole ecosystem of growth yep yeah, I, th- I think that's fa- that's that's fantastic advice because building a startup is incredibly hard. It is a ro- it is a roller coaster and it is not easy. So you really need to be able to have some sort of support structures to keep your mental focus, to keep you moving forward, and just to kind of be able to unload from time to time. You know, if you're talking to a, like a yep. mental health coach or talking to somebody and with other entrepreneurs or whoever the support network is, it's a matter of like unburdening maybe and refreshing your yep. batteries yeah because if you in burnout mode that's when you're going to start to give up in a lot of things and that, that was it right that it can be like that one burnout moment there'll be the death of your startup just like that it's yeah. just because you have no one to share it about because like they say like entrepreneurship is a lonely journey it's because a lot of founders just don't talk too much about the issues read too much media on successes of other people and then <laughs> suddenly you just beat yourself up by yourself you know it's, it's, it's a very complicated like like, like yeah thing. And it's pretty sad to see yeah uh, so these are some of the things that I usually would advocate to um, peers within my network. Yep. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I, th- I think every 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 city, every startup uh, community needs to, every startup hub needs to have more community uh, as well in order to help drive it. Because it also raises the bar, the shared knowledge, etc. Yep, yep. Um, yep, yep. Very cool. Jason, this is this has been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate you being here with me and sharing uh, the story of Virtual Tech Frontier. Yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks again for having me, Kevin. It's been a pleasure. Fantastic. All right, that wraps it up for another fantastic episode of The Sea of Startups. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Go on to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It's the best way for us to get discovered and to have these startup stories reach a broader audience if you have any suggestions or would like to get in touch you can email me at kevin at indelible.vc as always i'm your host kevin rockland from indelible ventures and this is the sea of startups